Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to Surviving My Podcast. A survivor podcast about living with dissociation, anxiety, and PTSD in support of all who have survived the trauma of abuse. Join me as we heal together, raise awareness, and inspire everyone to survive, thrive, and conquer their past. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to Surviving My Podcast. My name is Matt. I'm super stoked to have you back here on the show with me again. If you are a first-time listener, I'm so glad you came across the show. I hope you'll find it encouraging and validating both for you and for the survivor in your life. And if you are a returning listener, you guys rock. You're amazing. I always appreciate the encouragement, the support, the fact that you all listen to these shows and give me the feedback and the, um, you know, just the drive to keep on going. So thank you so much. And again, uh, to first times and long times, welcome back. And I have another guest here with me, a returning guest. This is her second time on the show. She's also been a guest blogger on my blog. This is Heather Tuba. She is an advocate. She is the spouse of a survivor. And we're going to talk about a recent blog post. We're going to talk about her book. It's going to be all kinds of great stuff. For you, especially if you are a spouse, family member, friend, coworker, anyone um, that's close to you that may be a survivor, you'll definitely want to check this out. Um, and I'll be sure and put all the resources that we discuss in the um, in the blog post and also in the comments for the podcast. So Heather, let's jump right into it. How are you doing? Hi, Matt. I am doing well, thank you. It's a little warmer here than the last time we talked. I think that was in about January. So uh, we're finally seeing the grass. You You may have seen that for a while, but... It feels good. feels good to be able to go outside. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, Summer is definitely here. It's like we kind of bypass spring a little bit here where I am. Like it went from super freezing cold to around 60 for a little while. And then today it was 87. Oh, nice. (laughs) Very nice. We have all kind of flip-flopped and bypassed each other. And we jumped right from um, fall and snow on the ground, uh, to, to a quick spring and right in the summer. So, but yes, uh-huh. I am, I'm grateful for the lack of snow because I hate shoveling snow. So <laughs> I'm too. glad for the warmer weather. Um, but anyways, yeah. So welcome back. I'm always, thank uh, you. yep. I'm super happy to have you here. Um, for those that don't know, Heather, uh, she and I met on a survivor chat for, uh, no more shame. We have a mutual friend, of course, in, uh, Athena Moberg. And uh, we got to chatting back and forth on these monthly chat, or excuse me, on these weekly chats. And then we started emailing and um, she had written a blog post for me, which of course I'll link, as I said, in the comments. Um, And she is a spouse of a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. And she has really um, dedicated her life to really helping the spouses and family members um, of abuse survivors to really understand and to validate and realize that not only does the survivor need support, and help, but the spouse and the supporting family members and friends do as well. So we're going to jump right into a recent post on her blog, which is heathertuba.com. Mm-hmm. And this is five questions to ask partners of child abuse survivors. So this is going to be really good. Um, maybe uh, Heather, um, before we start, just give us a little background on why you wrote this post before we jump into the five questions. 
Well, the honest truth is a lot of what I write is uh, what I'd like people to say or do for me. <laughs> so um, much of what I do comes from my experience as the uh, partner to a child, childhood abuse survivor. And it's coming from a frustration and a um, need to create supportive communities around uh, the the partners and the families and the friends and the communities uh, that that interact and relate to childhood abuse survivors. And there's just so much misinformation about. Uh, childhood abuse and the impact and really the ripple effect that it has on on partners and families and um, so it really is my goal to try to provide education and encouragement for for those that likely aren't getting that from um, well really society and and I think they're you know, I, it's not that people don't want to. I think often they just don't know uh, how desperately it's needed. And then they don't know what to say or do. And so that's why I wrote this piece, the the blog post, the five questions, and why I put together a, the ebook we'll talk about in a bit. And um, the first part of this blog post is actually a real story that happened to me and it happened in a therapist's office where a we were my, my husband Derek and I were in a joint um, counseling session with a trauma therapist so this woman is an EMDR therapist and she uh, is very kind I really like her but it I just describe a story where I felt very uh, excluded and that my experience was quite minimized by her. And um, really, that's how I've often felt, you know, very excluded and minimized. And I know survivors also feel that way. Um, but, but, you know, my writing is about uh, also bringing awareness to the impact on partners. <clears throat> Yeah, well said. And there's so many um, great points, not the least of which is that oftentimes spouses of survivors, supporting family members and whatnot can feel a bit excluded or feel like they're on an island because, um, you know, naturally when when someone goes to see a, um, a counselor or a therapist or a coach, you know, the, the professional is going to generally focus on them. But it's important that, you know, and uh, what you're doing really helps this cause and that the supporting people in the survivors' lives need just as much support, maybe in a different way, but mm -hmm. the support that is needed um, is crucial. And I think, you know, what you're doing helps bring a lot of attention to this. And I think it's something that's well and long overdue because, mm -hmm. you know, just like survivors have been through hell and back, um, you know, supporting spouses and family members, they're coming into something that they may not, that they may not have any idea about. Right. And, yeah. And, you know, I mean, certainly it's taxing on the relationship. It's a lot of confusion. It can cause a lot of frustration. And you've tackled some of these points in previous blog posts. But I think um, asking these five questions that we're going to jump into is really going to help not only the survivor, but also the partner really kind of help feel at ease and really get on the same page mm -hmm. in, the, um, in, in the journey that's ahead. Because there's a lot of work for a survivor and it's important that they have a strong support system and you... Um, you know, being Derek's is absolutely crucial. So, <laughs> 
I do it for myself a lot of the time. <laughs> I think we all do this. I, I, I really think a lot of us, you know, we start because we see the need, but we also have our own needs. And so it's not, it, you know, there's a bit of, of uh, you know, there's, it, it helps. It helps me too. And uh, so, yeah. And I, I did in this blog post say that I, I actually asked my husband if what he would think about it, if someone, you know, really included me in conversations. And I'm just talking in social interactions as opposed to just focusing on the person who is, and I use air quotes here, unwell. Um, and he actually said it would really help him because I think there's, and I'm speaking you know from discussions I've had with my husband it's like there's a lot of guilt there about the amount of stress and confusion and time and even financial output when somebody needs intensive therapy like that's stressful for the survivor so if others if supportive people can help the spouse then you guys can focus on your healing and then you know all around it's it's in everybody's best interest it is an absolutely everybody's best interest because as a survivor is trying to heal which of course derek knows about i know about yeah um and you know all survivors do it's very frustrating it's taxing it's confusing it's 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 invalidating at times because you don't know what you're feeling and why you're feeling mm-hmm. it and then you have the uh, supporting partner who's trying to figure it all out at the same time so I am mm-hmm. I, I am right mm-hmm. with you and let's jump right into the first yeah. question here, which is simply, how are you? And <laughs> it may seem like a simple question, but um, you know, I think it's a great way obviously to kind of break the ice, so to speak, but it's something that, that you ask obviously more than once. Mm-hmm. And really it's a way to gauge how how the conversation is gonna go with your survivor in your life. So give us a little background on what you mean exactly by how are you? <laughs> Um, well, like you said, it's a simple question. We ask that to people all the time. But when you're in communities um, or in social circles where where there's an awareness by people that one of the, that your partner, i.e. the survivor, is struggling and is in recovery, it's easy to gloss over that question or just skip it. And it's like for the partner, having somebody actually turn their body and and have a direct contact through their posture and eye contact and facial expression and engaged contact is really um, validating. It's like, I see you too. And I think that's what I'm trying to say. You want to say to the partner, I see you and I see see what you're going through too. So it's just a basic question of validation and recognition. Yeah, and I, I think it's a great way too to gauge where your uh, survivor may be on on any given day. You know, perhaps you want to discuss something or talk about something. So simply asking how are you gives you you know may give you a good idea. Of, well, maybe they're not ready to talk about something today. Maybe mm-hmm. they're a little preoccupied. So it's a great way, as you said, an open ended question, very simple. And um, a good way to gauge whether or not um, to proceed with a particular conversation and how to tread through that conversation mm-hmm. based on their mood and, you know, their outlook mm-hmm. on that day. So, absolutely. And, of course, the intimacy of the relationship. You know, there's some people, you know, close friends, the couple of close friends, I'll obviously share more. So, yeah, you gauge that. Yep, exactly, exactly. So, number two, this is a big one here. 
what do you need? And this is another open-ending question, um, but this is where you can really kind of get an idea um, as as you kind of outline here. What exactly are they looking for? What do they need? Or, you know, what do they think they need, even if they're not sure, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I actually have a really good model of this in my life. Uh, uh, a friend of, of both of ours, of Derek and mine, who will ask this, like, what do you need? What can, can, can I do for you? And it's a bit disarming when someone asks, at least for me, it was a bit disarming, but then I decided I'd actually take it seriously because it's a good question. And so it could be, I need a meal, you know, if you've got a family like we do, you know, having someone bring a meal, it could be, I need a break. It could be, I need, you know, I don't know. I think it's very open-ended, but I, I think it's a really good question. It's okay. It's like to give people permission to ask that. I think sometimes we're so cautious about, well, I don't want to intrude on their space, but really that's a really caring question to ask somebody that's in um, a chronic situation like living with a trauma survivor. So don't be afraid to ask that question. And if someone says no, then just, that's okay, you know? Yeah, you are exactly right. And you had mentioned that, that the question is kind of disarming. And I mean, it is, but I think it, it can be disarming in a good way um, mm-hmm. you know, through some of the points that you mentioned is it put it can put a survivor at ease because something someone cares enough to ask what they need, which oftentimes as survivors you know whether what we you know no matter what type of abuse you you endured as a child a lot of that many times involved things like um, emotional abuse and you know ignoring you know the child so there were many times when children's needs were never cared about or even asked for you know even growing up as a teenager as well so asking mm-hmm. them what they need e- even if they're not sure what they need the fact that somebody asks and takes the time to take an interest mm-hmm. is a huge thing for survivors mm-hmm. i mean absolutely it is yeah yeah and so question three is kind of a bit of a segue. Just I just wanted to get a little bit more specific because I'll be honest, partners always need a break. <laughs> That's yeah. just a given, <laughs> you know. So can I give you a break? You know, if you've got, if you're raising a family and one of you is a trauma survivor, like, please offer to take the kids <laughs> please offer to spend time with the kids. You know, I'm going to take this a little deeper because if you are a childhood uh, trauma survivor, sometimes it's not safe to have family involved. And so then you, you have to build a community of other people. And so, you know, friends can really fill in those gaps, safe friends. And, um, you know, that's what happened in our situation. And I've got a couple of friends that, you know, I call them my family. They're local. And they, you know, we've, when I, when our kids were a little bit younger, you know, they would take the kids and, and just provide that surrogate support system that is is often lacking when you come out of childhood abuse. So be aware of that. Be aware that they may not the the part the survivor and partner may not have family supports because of the circumstances. Be sensitive to that and 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 you know make that offer. Can I can I help you out in some way so that you can have some downtime? Yeah, it's a great point because um, oftentimes when we are 
up to our eyeballs in recovery. We're doing, you know, we're seeing a therapist or a professional and we're doing homework and we're trying to do self-care and we're working through all these feelings. It can be overwhelming. So offering to give them a break, asking them what kind of a break they need. Is it just, you Mm -hmm. know, give me, give me 10 minutes to collect my thoughts or is it, I need an outing for a day or, you know, take the kids or let, let's go grab a pizza. I mean, all the Mm -hmm. great thing about these is that they're all open-ended questions, which allows the lines of communication to open up and stay open because it gives you both the chance to share how you're feeling, what you need, what you want. Mm -hmm. And really, I mean, that's, it's so key, you know, as you've outlined before, and as we're talking about now, communication and, and staying on the same page for the survivor and the supporting spouse and family members is just beyond crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause the last thing you need is to have your support system burn out, become frustrated because they are, you know, they're not sure what's happening, how they fit in, what they can do, what they're doing wrong, what they're doing right. And so asking these questions like you've, you know, outlined here so far is just really talk with your survivors as often as you can and let them know that that you are a safe place and a safe person so i love it Mm -hmm, everything mm -hmm. everything so far is great yeah thanks okay so question four um is um how do you feel about and then i said fill in the blank so again another open-ended question um so this came this question and uh, it'll segue into number five is um, a recognition by other people, other supportive people, just that, you know, partners have strong feelings about what's going on in their lives. Uh, as you've mentioned, there's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of uncertainty, um, there can be financial pressures, there's a lot of, of stress. And so having someone ask like, how do you feel about, you know, your, how do you feel about the therapy or how do you feel about whatever? I mean, you'll know, you'll know what to say is, it is very validating. Because uh, often it's like, well, how does the survivor feel about this? And that's good. But there's also the other half. Like, how do I, how does the partner feel about it? How do I feel about it? You know, th- this also leads to the conversation of maybe the survivor isn't sure how they feel because I, I can tell you a lot of times, right? True enough. Um, you know, when I was working with a professional or I- or I'm I'm watching a video or reading a book, I'm like, I'm not really sure if I'm pissed off or I'm sad or I'm discouraged right. or I'm angry, and so this is a great way for both of you to share whatever stage of you know you're in at that particular day or time what you both are feeling so you can both Mm -hmm. best support each other, which of course leads into number five, but you're right Right. because yeah, it is. It's a great segue into really opening up the lines of communication for understanding uh, point number five, which is what is it like for you? Right. Yeah. I I think too, if the, just a bit on the emotional piece, because I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, Because I'm like super connected to my feelings. <laughs> and Derek, uh, we're working. He's working on that, <laughs> and he's not certain. Sometimes you're right. I, I completely understand what you're saying. Sometimes is this sadness? Is this fear? Is this shame? I'm not sure. Um, so you know, understanding that even about the survivor is actually really, really important for partners to understand because they might 
like I've said this, you know, well, how come you can't, like, I, I know how I'm feeling. Why don't you know how you're feeling? And which isn't a good interaction to have, by the way, but right. it does Definitely. happen. It does happen. Like, um, so understanding that, and even for other supporters to understand that about survivors is, I, I don't know if you've written about that, but you know, sort of the, um, the survivors navigating the the emotions and how that might appear to somebody else it might appear very wishy-washy but that's not really the case it's just part of the trauma so anyway I'm, my point being if your survivor partner doesn't know as a partner don't get too upset about it because you know that that will happen in time yeah you're you're exactly right and um, oftentimes when you uncover a new memory or you have a flashback or, or something triggers you and you have a flurry of emotions, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, everything from shame to fear, to anger, to resentment, to sadness, discouragement, confusion. And so it takes a while to process these emotions and, you know, and then obviously for the supporting partner, they're not really sure what to feel either. I mean, oftentimes as a partner, you are angry on, you know, on, on behalf of your survivor because of what happened, mm-hmm. but you know, you're also sad because of what happened. And so it, 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 it's just an amazing way to ask these simple five questions to get mm-hmm. both mm-hmm. sides talking and, and really just get on the same page because, you know, I know that you, you and I had talked about before that, you know, before you and Derek really started kind of diving into his past, there was a lot of, confusion and mm-hmm. um you know taxing parts of your relationship because you didn't know what was going on he doesn't mm-hmm. really know what's going on so no. both of you are trying to figure out something that neither of you have really dealt with so what mm-hmm. you're doing here these five steps your blog it's helping so many people so oh, thank um, you thanks yeah, absolutely it really is um and again these are the five questions that you can ask partners um of childhood sexual abuse survivors um they're all right here um mm-hmm. on, on heather's blog heathertuba.com um, it's a great blog. It's got all kinds of resources and uh, information for supporting um, partners, spouses, family members, friends, as I said. And the next thing we want to talk about here is your first ebook, which is super yeah. awesome. And Thank you. Um, yep, it's right there at the top of your blog. Um, right. all, all the information, how to download it, how to get it. So, okay. Well, um, so it, it comes out of a need. Uh, a need I see to create support, uh, to create practical support, um, and to have a place uh, where people, the partners and 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 partner spouses, girlfriend, boyfriend, significant others can can get understanding and and validation of their experience um, of being in an intimate relationship with a childhood abuse survivor. So um, my reason was to create a resource guide and um, to take people through, it's been just over five years since the abuse start uh, memories started to surface for Derek. And I, I wanted to provide some simple strategies uh, for the partners that they could just have handy and to to explore and experiment with and realize that they're not alone in their journey either. Yeah, it's a great resource. It's handy. Um, you know, I love ebooks for, for, for the simple fact that 
as you mentioned, it's a resource that you can grab and take with you anytime, you know, download it to your Kindle, put it on your phone, whenever you need some mm-hmm. encouragement, some, some inspiration, some ideas, some resources. This is, if not the first, it's one of the first, um, you know, eBooks of its kind that really is dedicated to, this is what the partners need. And I, I, it, yeah. I think it's, yeah, it really is. So you did, um, you know, just, just a great job on it. I've read it. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And actually, I'm going to do a little self-promotion here. Yes, uh, but um, uh, there's an awesome organization called uh, Blue Knot Foundation. Uh, if you go to bluenotfoundation.org, I think. Um, maybe you could link to that, Matt, in the notes. Absolutely. Um, they have really great resources for partners. In fact, they're probably the best site I've found thus far. There may be others, but that's the one I, I, I used a little bit of uh, a couple things from there. And they're actually, they've given this book to their um, counselors. So I was like super excited about wow, that. Look at that. Yeah, I know. I was really happy about that. And I have another um, licensed mental health counselor in the States um, who is also referring her clients to the resource. So, yeah, people are, um, I've gotten some really great feedback that this is needed and, um, that it's practical which is was really my goal to to make it practical i also wanted to i wanted to include part of our story so i tried to interweave snippets of it because i wanted people to know that what they're experiencing is probably not as (laughs) strange as it as it as it you might think it is um i wanted to try to normalize things especially when you're dealing with a childhood abuse survivor um who is dissociative and and so i i wanted to kind of weave that throughout you know it's it's a pretty serious um situation the recovery process from childhood abuse and it's um I wanted to convey that, that it's very difficult all around. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I mean, it's difficult from start to finish. It's difficult no matter whether you're you're diving into it right after it happened or decades later, yep. like I did. And like, you know, yeah. I, think, I think Derek did as well. Yeah, so. same. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it, and what an honor to have people using your resource to help others. I mean, I, I think it's amazing. It's a huge credit with your blog. Um, just amazing. So, yep. Um, I'm throwing, um, as Athena would say, I'm throwing virtual confetti your way or something like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I feel it. Right. Right. Um, Can you yeah. come and virtually vacuum my office after this? Um, I have to vacuum mine after we're done. <laughs> okay. Here. Okay. So. I, I'll let you off the hook there. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's, um, the last thing I want to talk about is you just came back uh, recently from a super awesome conference. Did you not? Right. Yes, yeah, I yeah, did. So tell everybody a little bit about that because it's an amazing conference. Sure. So I j- came back a week ago. It was um, it was in Ontario, Canada, St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada, and um, that's not where I'm from. I'm from the prairies of Canada, uh, but um, the conference was um, held at the attachment. Uh, there's this huge acronym attachment and trauma treatment center for healing um it is a and you can look up attch.com 
that'll take you to their site. Um, the treatment center is modeled after Bessel van der Kock's treatment center in the States, although it's not connected, but they're using comprehensive treatment for the treatment of of trauma. Much of it is childhood trauma, and they work with children, children, adolescents, adults from across the board. Um, they do a five-day, it's really a training conference um, every year in early April. And so I learned um, first couple of days are the foundations of trauma treatment, uh, trauma-informed care, uh, learning about the ACE study, which I, you know, I know you're quite familiar with um, and I'm familiar with. Um, there's also the, they do a lot of ex- experiential um, practice during this, the conference so that you are actually experiencing the tools that they use for treatment, which was great. And then they always bring in keynote speakers. So this year was um, Dr. Martin H. Teicher from Harvard Medical School, a neurodevelopmental psychiatrist who went through the entire brain <laughs> and the impact of trauma. It was it was quite incredible on the developing brain. And then uh, the next day was Dr. Joanna Silberg, uh, Pratt Shepherd Me- Medical Center, talking about dissociation. And um, Matt, you and I could probably talk for a whole day on that. That was actually very, very incredible to get that kind of level of teaching. And then another um, really great day was on the role of expressive arts therapy and trauma treatment. And it was actually, that was probably one of my favorite days because it was very experiential. But so it's bypassing getting the left brain out of the way so that you can get to the sensory experience of trauma. So um, often there's no words with trauma because the left hemisphere goes offline during trauma. It's very sensory. And so art therapy is an amazing way to access trauma and to work with it without people having to be verbally expressive. It was quite powerful. So if anybody is really interested in this, um, you know, to keep a heads up on up on this for next year, it, it was it was quite it was extremely educational and, and informative and I'll be processing it for quite some time. But it was really good. Really, really yeah, good. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And yeah. um, I mean, I've already got my calendar um, uh, booked off for next year for this because I, I, I missed it this year and I'm not going to miss it again. Um, yeah, yeah, just I mean, the depth the whole, of information yeah. was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and especially the whole um, dissociation thing. I mean, I would have love to have been there because you're right you and i could talk about dissociation all day every day and it's still not yeah. covered at all it's something you and i are both um very passionate about stuff stuff that we've researched something yeah. that i of course deal with all the time so i can't imagine just the wealth of knowledge that that you walked away with that's going to help you in your um survivor journey with Derek mm-hmm. and just for your own peace of mind and your own knowledge so just mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm amazing and I'll, I'll be sure and put all the links to everything that we've talked about in the blog post and in also uh, the podcast as well on yeah. soundcloud and uh, itunes heather this has been super awesome before we um let you go go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you and share any uh, last minute thoughts 
Sure. Uh, well, you can find me at heathertuba.com and there you will find a free download. Um, just drop me your email and you will get the free download of, of the book. Uh, it's called For the Partners of Childhood Abuse Survivors. And it's six simple strategies for partners. So I'm very happy to send that out. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook at Heather Tuba, um, Twitter at Heather Tuba, the, the uh, handle at and then Heather Tuba. That's the best ways to get a hold of me. Um, on my website, if you have any questions um, or want to connect with me, I've got an email form there and I'll get back to you. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, you know, it's my goal to continue to provide resources for the support community, those of us that su- support survivors. And, and I think provide encouragement to the survivors that their loved ones can also be supported and just to, you know, to, to, to work with yourself and with Athena Moberg where we're, you know, we're really, I, I see us as providing this comprehensive support system for the whole unit, which is so important. A great resource. It's free. Just sign up for it. It's delivered instantly. Um, highly recommend it. And um, Heather, you are always welcome back here on the show. You, I Matt. always enjoy speaking with you, not only because you have such a wealth of knowledge and passion, but because you have a cool accent. You know, I say I say that every time. <laughs> now you have a cool <laughs> I love Canadian accent. accents. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to Surviving My Podcast, sponsored by survivingmypast.net, a blog about my life with dissociation, anxiety, and PTSD, and in support of all who have survived the trauma of abuse. This podcast or any resources sponsored by survivingmypast.net should not be considered as therapy or professional medical help. If you are in crisis, I encourage you to seek out the services of a mental health or physical health professional. I also encourage you to check out online crisis support from sites like RAIN.org, 1in6.org, and The Samaritans. If you would like to be a guest on a future podcast, just contact me anytime through email, matt at survivingmypast.net, or use the contact forms on the blog. Thank you again for your support and encouragement, and always know that you rock. Talk to you soon.